the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, August the 3rd, 2022, in the year of our Lord. On August 3rd, 2019, a gunman opened fire at a Walmart store in El Paso, Texas, leaving 22 people dead. Today in 1492, Christopher Columbus, he set sail on a voyage that would take him to present-day America. Today in 1949, the National Basketball Association was formed as a merger of the Basketball Association of America and the National Basketball League uh, came into existence. Today in 1981, U.S. air traffic controllers went on strike. President Reagan told them not to do that. He said, I'm not going to allow you to shut down the nation's air service. They did it anyway. They didn't believe him. They should have believed him because he fired them all. Everybody said that's the end of <clears throat> excuse me, of air travel as we've known it, but it wasn't. They learned their lesson with Reagan. Reagan was great with words, but he was equally great with actions. Today, in 1993, the Senate voted 96 to 3 to confirm Supreme Court nominee Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Today, in 2005, 14 Marines from a reserve unit in Ohio were killed, all of them together, from the same place. They were killed in a roadside bombing in Iraq. Today, in 2018, Las Vegas police said they were closing their investigation on the October 1st, 2017 shooting that left 58 people dead at a country music festival without a definitive answer for why this Stephen Paddock, the guy that was doing the shooting, why he unleashed the gunfire from a hotel suite onto the concert crowd down below. They never could quite figure out what motivated him to do that. I noticed that Tony Bennett, the singer, he left his heart in San Francisco, that Tony Bennett, He's 96 years old today. Our oldest daughter, she also has a birthday today. She's, well, happy birthday, honey. I was looking at some of the, uh, some of the returns from some of the primaries uh, this morning, and I was looking at it last night as well, but particularly this morning as they're continuing to sort out through the uh tally the votes, and I, I see there's an issue in Washington State about mail delay, um, and there's people a little upset about it today in certain parts of the state that the mail delay is, is going to somehow affect the uh, the voting. I, I, I'm not sure all the details on that, but we'll watch it throughout the day and see what happens with that. But uh, I noticed that there are certain trends developing. Uh, Patty Murray is being Patty Murray again, but uh, some of the other, some of the districts where the representatives were um, were up for election, uh, it was kind of interesting the way they're turning out. But it, looking at the election at the count, 
many of them that I would talk about on this program weren't there's there's it's not definitive yet so I I decided not to talk a great deal about it today we'll talk a little bit bit more about it tomorrow but there's so much information there and so much of it is very localized not all but much much of it is and and that gives um it there just isn't time to go through all of that in each local area on the program we have 29 minutes 20 28 minutes to uh, to talk. So I'm not going to get into that today, but you can look at it. I'll mention what I think is is noteworthy and mention worthy uh, tomorrow and in the days that are following. We'll just check that out as as the information becomes available. I want to talk to you a little bit, though, today about the IRS. And I want to talk to you a little bit about what the Bible says about self-defense. There's such a huge, huge move in America today to confiscate guns basically from people and i understand you don't go to church expecting to hear a sermon on guns but i want to talk to you a little bit about that about self-defense what does the bible say about self-defense most people who have guns have them for sporting reasons hunting uh, pheasants quail chucker or rifles for hunting deer and elk and so on. Most people who have handguns have them for self-defense. Is that biblical? We'll talk about that for a few minutes this morning. But the IRS is stockpiling 5 million rounds of ammunition. Why are they doing this? I want to talk to you about that just for a moment. I don't know the ultimate answer for it, but I'd like to make you aware of the fact that it's happening. Republican lawmakers want to stop, thankfully, some of them. They want to stop the IRS from continuing to stockpile ammunition. The IRS has spent $750,000 and now have, that's just this year, and they have more than 5 million rounds on hand of ammunition. And they plan to acquire more. So Representative Matt Gates, he's a Republican from Florida, he's introduced a bill to block future ammunition purchases by the agency. And I just, when I saw this, I had to ask myself, why are they doing this? He announced his sponsorship of this. It's a, his bill is called Disarm the IRS Act. He, he, he announced it last uh, month, but it was only when he got on television that it became uh, and was interviewed that it became kind of nationally known. But the bill would ban the IRS from acquiring ammunition through direct purchase or otherwise. Now, this bill awaits a potential vote in the House Ways and Means Committee. It's got a ways to go before it would reach you know, the, full, the full House. But co-sponsors of the bill include three additional U.S. House representatives, Jeff Duncan, Republican from South Carolina, Paul Gozar from Arizona, Republican, and Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican from Georgia. The issue drew national attention, as I said, when Gates appeared on Fox News' Jesse Waters' primetime uh, last week. He was talking about the IRS, that they had spent $750,000 in 2022 alone on ammunition this year so far. Gates told um, Jesse Waters, he said, call me old-fashioned, but I thought the heaviest artillery 
an IRS agent would need would be a calculator, not $725,000 worth of ammunition. These other co-sponsors have been on social media questioning the need for a heavily armed tax agency. Why is Biden trying to weaponize the IRS? Representative Jeff Duncan, he, Duncan, he was posting on Twitter uh, here a while back. He added that while the IRS builds up its arsenal, citizen Americans face ammunition shortages. That's true. Representative Gosar commented on Twitter just a couple of weeks ago that it's time to disarm this band of highwaymen and stop them from taking our money under the threat of violence. While people may not think of the IRS needing weapons and ammunition, it has a criminal investigation division. They have armed law enforcement people to pursue tax felons. So they do have that element, but man, a 2018 report from the Government Accountability Office said that the IRS's Criminal Investigation Division had 2,148 law enforcement officers, 4,461 weapons, including 15 fully automatic firearms, and 5.05 million rounds of ammunition. According to the Officer Down Memorial page, those that have been killed in the line of duty, Four officers with the IRS have died since 1989, but they've died from medical conditions or accidents. None of them, none of the deaths were firearm related. So I had to ask myself when I saw this, I thought, man, are other government agencies building up arsenals and weapons and ammunition? I've read, I spent a lot of time reading our founding fathers, what they said, what they wrote what they wrote formally, and then what they said when they were just in the heat of the moment discussing or disagreeing or whatever, uh, founding this nation, because it's important. And I have a tremendous interest in it personally, but it's important to what we do and to my preaching over the years as, as in the pulpit and on this program and on our television program some years ago. I, I always was very uh, close to what the founding fathers said. I wanted to know first and foremost, what the Bible says. And then secondly, I wanted to know what the founding fathers said, because they had a pretty good idea of what they were trying to do with this country. And I think if a person is honest with themselves, they did a pretty good job. They launched a fantastic country. I mean, we're the most blessed, prosperous, free nation in the history of the world, in the history of the human race. We are now working 24-7 to dismantle America as we have known it. By we, I mean they, the left. But it, America is a blessed nation. We are an exceptional nation. So I pay attention to the people who actually created, under God, this exceptional nation. And they weren't very keen on government agencies of any kind, and they weren't very keen on government agencies being armed. They wanted the citizens to be armed. So I began to ask myself, I thought, man, if the, if the IRS has all these weapons and five plus million rounds of ammunition, I mean, sitting on a shelf somewhere, I guess, why are they doing this? And do other agencies, are they doing the same thing? Well, there's an, uh, an organization, it's a nonprofit uh, government watchdog group 
It's called OpenTheBooks.com. And what they do is research these kinds of things, and they do a, they do a good job. They're pretty accurate on what they what they report. Well, they released a report titled "The Militarization of the U.S. Executive Agencies." They um, they re, they published it last just this last December, and uh, or, or no, December a year ago, last December. I'm sorry, 2020. The report details how agencies that people wouldn't normally associate with law enforcement are stockpiling weapons and ammunition. And again, I'm not going to go through a long list, but it's amazing. It's stunning what they're doing. But they reported, for example, the Environmental Protection. The EPA owns 600 guns. At the same time, special agents at the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, NASA, they're equipped with machine guns and AR-15s even the Smithsonian Institute employs 620 armed special agents up from zero officers in 2008. Well, you might say things have changed, and they have. Things have become more violent. They certainly have in recent years. And these people need protection. I would agree with that. They do. But this detailed report noted that 103 federal agencies outside of the Department of Defense spend $2.7 billion on guns, ammunition, and military-style equipment between fiscal years 2006 and 2019. Nearly $1 billion, $944.9 million, was spent between fiscal years 2015 and 2019 alone. The guy that runs this organization, the CEO of Open the Books, he says there is no public purpose for rank-and-file, paper-pushing federal agencies to load up on guns, ammunition, and military-style equipment. He also says that the public should question why these agencies are armed to the teeth. Not only do they wield legal power, but they also are amassing firepower. Just who are the federal agencies preparing to go to battle with? I mean, is it us? Is it Russia or China? I don't know. (laughs) But they're preparing for something that's concerning. I'm not one who gets way off into the weeds on conspiracy theories. You know that if you listen. But boy, this is concerning to me. I mean, how far does this go? Taxpayers, this guy says, the head of this uh, Open the Books organization, he says taxpayers need to tell Washington that police powers belong primarily to cities and states, not to the feds. Yeah, that's what our founders said, and they ingrained that into our institutions and our documents. This is concerning. It's concerning in light of the unbridled passion by this current administration to disarm the American public under the guise of stopping gun violence. And I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Guns are not violent. Neither are roses. I mean, guns are what people use them for. And so do clubs and knives and forks and sticks and stones. People are violent because of sin. And that's the problem we have in our world. If you take away guns, they're going to find a club. 
they're going to hurt people if they have a propensity to do so because they're so consumed in their sin, in their hatred, in their violence. Our founding fathers had a very clear view of that truth. George Washington himself, the father of this country, he said, he said, people ought to be armed. Boy, how can you misunderstand that? People ought to be armed. Not the government, not the IRS, not NASA. Not I mean, sure they need security. Obviously they do. Every founding father believed that people should be armed. Patrick Henry, a devout Christian, homeschooled, brilliant, genius, really, politically, Patrick Henry, he was passionate when someone even suggested in Virginia that people not be armed and and default to the government to protect us. He came unglued. It was at the Virginia Convention. He said, are we at last brought to such humiliating and debasing degradation that we cannot be trusted with arms for our defense? Where is the difference between having our arms in possession and under our direction and having them under the management of Congress. He said, if our defense be the real object of having these ar- those arms, in whose hands can they be trusted with more propriety or equal safety to us, as in our own hands? In other words, he said, are you saying that you trust the government more than you trust yourself for self-defense on a personal level? I mean, they spoke often. There's voluminous, voluminous writing, speeches, letters about such things as personal safety, self-defense, a nation of people being armed. And yet we're criticized by the world because we have so many guns in America. And I know people misuse them. We have a problem, but the problem is not the guns. The problem is the people that are sinful and the pathetic policies that are now being put in place. What does this have to do, Gary, with the Bible? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Let's talk about that for a moment. I'm going to leave with you some thoughts. I don't have a prepared speech on this, but let me me give you some thoughts on guns and self-defense from the Bible. That's where our founding fathers got their ideas, for the most part, and for the, the rest of their philosophy, they drew from people like John Locke, who drew from the Bible, and Blackstone, who codified biblical teaching into civil laws. So it all, if you follow the, what they really believed, it leads you back to the Bible in every case, either directly or through people like John Locke and others, Blackstone and others. But first, let's talk for a moment about it's always been clear that human life is precious. That's why abortion is such a horrible, horrible thing. It's a, it's a sin among sins. In fact, that throughout time, God has mandated that the ultimate penalty for unlawful killing is death. Among God's first words to Noah after the flood had subsided and was the declaration of importance of human life, the price paid for spilling human blood. 
In Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, or chapter 9, verse 6, the Bible says, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. This statement is not made to a nation state or to a police force, but instead it's made to a small band of people who are about to start rebuilding the human society from the ground up. The flood, it's not a myth, it really happened and everybody got drowned and God was starting over. And to that group that was tasked with starting over civilization, God said, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his image. Obviously not specifically addressing self-defense, but establishing the fundamental principle that what the Bible commands and examples that follow demonstrate how God expects us to protect life in the real world. We're just talking about the real world now. In the Mosaic Law, God obviously continues his mandate of the death penalty for murder, as well as for blasphemy and other crimes, but not for all killing. He specifically carved out an exception for the defense of one's home. In Exodus chapter 22, verse 2, the Bible says, If a thief is found breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there shall be no blood guilt for him. There was blood guilt if the thief was killed during the day, however. Note that the grace of God gives the citizen in the midst of the fear and the ambiguity of nighttime invasion, even a thief, not a rapist, not a murderer, a thief, can be killed at night. But in the clarity of day, the thief, again, not a rapist or a murderer, should not be killed, if at all possible. Secondly, just think about that. Secondly, there is a morality attached in the Bible to self-defense. It's not just presumed, but the act of self-defense is permitted and even mandated by key biblical figures. Let me just touch on a couple of these today. Now, this is, could be a two-hour talk, and I would be happy to do it, but we don't have two hours. But let me just give you a couple of examples. This principle flows, of course, from a moral law that reveres human life. God is pro-life. He created life. It should be protected, not merely avenged. Nehemiah, when he was rebuilding Jerusalem in the face of hatred, not in wartime, but when tribal neighbors, they were seeking to carry out vigilante attacks against the Jews while he was rebuilding the temple. Here's what he said to people, Nehemiah. He said, Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14. He said, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and and fight and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. So keep in mind that you are working for the Lord and protect yourself and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. That is God's message to Nehemiah while he was about doing the work of the Lord. It's often forgotten, but the climax to the book of Esther involves Jews gathering together in an act of self-defense. There was this king, this despotic king. He was persuaded to allow them to fight against their attackers. The king allowed the Jews who were in every city to gather and defend their lives to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate any armed force of any people or province that might attack them, their children or their women, and to plunder their goods. That's Esther chapter 8, verse 11. The Jews then 
the Bible says in Esther chapter 9, verse 5, the Jews then, quote, struck all their enemies with the sword, killing and destroying them, and did as they pleased to those that hated them. Before Esther's intervention, the king would have had denied the Jews their right to self-defense. After Esther's intervention, the Jews were didn't merely look to law enforcement for salvation, but took matters into their own hands. There is a thread that goes through the Bible of consistency about self-defense. Not aggression, but self-defense. While the New Testament certainly removes the individual Christian of any justifications for vengeance, we are to leave vengeance to the Lord. Vengeance is not mine. Vengeance is God's. And in Romans chapter 13, God talks about he, how he administers justice, and that is through the authorities. And in America, we are so blessed that we get to choose our, our authorities. We were doing that in several states in primary elections yesterday. That's the way God works. That's his plan. That's the way, that's his New Testament plan of how it works. Usually, the rule of uh, proportionate justice or not self-defense is the one that is used in God's economy. Jesus' disciples carried swords. Jesus even said in some context, the unarmed should arm themselves. Read Luke 22. In fact, Jesus' disciples, Jesus' disciples were always on the lookout to defend themselves physically. The sword's use was only specifically forbidden when Peter used violence to block Christ's specific purpose to lay down his life. He came to earth to die for our sins. That's why Peter's act of self-defense, he saw it as self-defense, was scolded by the Lord, by Jesus, because Peter was not acting in accordance with God's will. God's will was that Jesus would lay down his life shed his blood for our sins. So what does all this mean? (laughs) There's so much more I'd like to say about this, but again, time restrains us. But what does all this mean? Well, to me, and there's much more in the Bible. I mean, the thread is there from the beginning to the end of the Bible. The thread is there that self-defense is something that God condones. Essentially, the gun control represents not merely a limitation on constitutional right, but a limitation on a God-given right of man. It's existed throughout the history of civil society, all subject to some limits. Of course, free speech has some limits. Self-defense has some limits. There's room for debate on what those limits might be, but state action against the right of self-defense is by default, it's a violation of the natural rights of men. And the state's political judgment about the limitations of that right should be viewed with extreme skepticism. And it must overcome a heavy burden of justification in my mind, in my view. Well, that's some thoughts on self-defense. That's what I feel I have preached that from the pulpit and lived it in my life, in our family. I feel that as long as we are sensitive to God and led by his spirit and through his word and understanding of his word, we will do the right thing. But God God condones self-defense, in my mind, biblically, very strongly so. 
I want to take a moment to say thank you to all of you who support this ministry. We wouldn't be on the air without it. And uh, I want to thank you for it. You are the sole support. You are the reason we're able to turn on the microphone and be here in the morning. Thank you so much. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.